What sustains you? When you're exhausted, when you feel like you can't go on, you're tired, what sustains you? It's interesting. We're going to see what sustains Jesus. And I suspect it's not the same thing that sustains us, but it ought to be. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 27. Now, we're kind of in the middle of, of this situation where Jesus had gone through, uh, traveling through Samaria uh, to get to Galilee, where his destination is. Most Jews go uh, avoid Samaria, but Jesus is traveling through. He's tired. Uh, he's at a uh, well, resting while his disciples go into the town of Sychar and purchase his food. He's been having a conversation with a, a woman of Samaria. She, he tells her that when she says, I don't have a husband, that she truly spoke that she has five husbands and the one that she's now living with isn't hers. And he, she determines that he's a prophet and they have additional conversations. And so during this uh, conversation, this period of time, uh, it's where we come in with verse 27. It says, at this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? So again, they understand that it was taboo to speak to a Samaritan to have anything to do with them and let alone a woman because uh, she was not of the same uh, position. But as the typical disciples, because Jesus is who Jesus is, they're intimidated and afraid to speak up, and they're just wondering what's going on. And so the woman left her water pot and went to the city. And so we see this, this woman who's now leaving because his disciples have returned, and this is now a good time for her to leave. But she leaves in haste. She doesn't leave with the water pot, whether it's filled or not. Uh, so she goes, and probably partially because she doesn't want to deal with the disciples, but she's now on a mission as she goes to the city and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And so she's, in essence, becoming a witness saying, I met someone who told me he's the Messiah and he told me all about my life. And so I've come to the conclusion that he is the Messiah and that I have faith in that. And I want you to see and investigate the situation. And so as they went out of the city and were coming to him. So the men heard what this woman had to say about Jesus and decided and some of them came to faith by what her testimony was, and they were coming to meet this Messiah, and others were probably coming to have a look to see what was going on. And so they go out to the city to the well uh, to him. And meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. So they know they've seen Jesus and that he was tired in his human form, his humanity, because of all the travels and the and the pressures of teaching and all that, that, that he had been tired and they decided he needs to eat, that he needs to sustain himself. And 
Many people are like that. We think that food will sustain us. Uh, my mother used to say, you need to eat a good breakfast and before school because you can't learn if on an empty stomach. And and people look at food as that way of sustaining. And, and let's face it, many times we eat food not to sustain us, but for pleasure or we're bored or whatever. Uh, but we have all these different reasons to eat. But one of the essential reasons is that we might get the nutrients and the energy that we need from the food to, to, to be sustained, to, to keep going, to give us that energy. And so his disciples are concerned about him. And so they want him to eat. And so they're urging him, you need, you need to eat. We, can, we went to the city to buy you food. So you need to eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So again, here's Jesus. He's using a spiritual teaching in a life situation. We all eat. We need to eat to, to sustain ourselves and, and to have the energy. Uh, and uh, sometimes we eat good food and sometimes we eat uh, food that is not so good for us. But we do those things. But he says, I have food that you don't know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And so again, they're missing the spiritual point that Jesus is trying to teach. They're thinking, again, physical food. Maybe somebody brought food and he snuck it in and we didn't see it. Or maybe somebody else brought it while we were at, in the city and uh, we didn't see him eat. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus says, what sustains me, what keeps me going, what gives me energy is not necessarily physical food, but it's to do the will of my father who sent me. That's what keeps me going. That's what sustains me. It doesn't matter how tired I am or what I may be discouraged, whatever. The food that I get, that what sustains me is to do his will, and to accomplish his work. Now, there are very few times that I can tell you that I feel like Jesus. Because Lord knows, on a scale to one in a hundred being like Jesus, I'm a negative 10,000 plus. But there are two times that Jesus has, has talked about things that I go, I, I've, I've kind of felt that way. One is when Jesus says, have I been with you so long that you don't know who I am? And there are times when I have friends or others who have been around me for a long period of time, and then they assume something that I would do or say that would be out of character to who I am. And I'm going, you should know me. You should know that's not who I am. And so... There are times that I feel that way. This is a my second very little glimpse of how Jesus is. Besides being pastor, I also have a another job or two. And uh, on Wednesday nights, we have our prayer meeting and Bible study. And many times uh, when Wednesday late afternoon comes and, and it's going to be Bible study time, I'm dreading it. I'm tired. I don't want to go. It's 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 just, you know, I'm I'm dreading it. 
But after I go, and after we pray, and after we have Bible study, I'm invigorated. I feel more energy after prayer meeting than I did before we went. All the time before, I was regretting going and, and not looking forward to it. And then after prayer meeting, I'm invigorated. It's doing God's will. It's doing his purposes. It's studying about him. It's being more in his presence. And those things are invigorating. So it is those things that sustain me, that keeps me going. And Jesus says, I don't need necessarily food for that sustenance. My sustenance is to do the will of God. Oh, that more of us was like that. That we were less concerned about our belly and more concerned about doing God's will and accomplishing his purpose. We all hear in, in, in books and in TV commercials and, and uh, life coaches, living your purpose. You don't see Jesus living his purpose. He's living the Father's purpose. That's what sustains him. That's what keeps him going, to do his, the will of his Father and to accomplish God's purposes. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, look, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that are white for harvest. Now, the picture here that we will see is that the men from Sychar are coming. And so Jesus is telling them, I want you to look up. I want you to see as these people come from this town who have been coming because of what the Samaritan woman had told them, that they're ready to hear and respond to the gospel. He says, already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal so that he may, who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. He's saying the harvest is ready to be reaped. It's ready to be gathering fruit. So many people think all eternal life is, is to have eternal life. And that's it. I want to tell you that that's not all that there is. The scriptures tell us that there will be rewards in heaven and there may be some loss. It, Paul tells us in Corinthians that our works will be examined and some of our works will be gold and silver and precious stones and other will be wood and hay and will be burned up. We'll suffer loss, yet we'll still be in heaven. I find it amazing that while we're here on earth, people want to live in the best, biggest house that they can, in the best, most expensive neighborhood that they can go to. And that you're going to live for a brief period of time, even if you find your quote-unquote forever house. At maximum, you're going to be there 50, 60, 70 years. It's not your forever house. It's your while you're here house. If you're not satisfied living in an apartment, instead of your forever house, why would you be satisfied just barely making it by in heaven 
Why wouldn't you want to live in the most precious area in heaven, which I would submit to you is the closest place to the temple in the presence of God. And so he's saying the people who are working and making sure that the evangelism is happening and people are responding, they're gathering fruit for eternal life. So that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice. You see, sowing can be very difficult. You're out in the sun, sun beating down on you, and you're, and you're putting in the seed, and it takes months, perhaps, to, for the plants to germinate and to grow fruit, and then ultimately to reap. And then you have those who are reaping. They see the results of the harvest. They're, they're taking, whether it's grain or corn or fruit or grapes or whatever it may be, and they're seeing the results because they're picking from the fruit. But he's saying the, those who are sowing and those who are reaping should be rejoicing together. As a matter of fact, in Amos, it talks about in the future that the harvest will be so quick that almost as soon as you're planting, you're harvesting. And that's kind of what's going to be happening here. This lady, this woman who have shared her experience with her experience with Jesus is now bringing men that they may come. So Jesus had just planted and now he's saying, here comes the harvest. Or in, the, in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have not entered into their labor. Jesus is saying the gospel is such that it is a multi-person task. There are those who will plant, there are those who will water, and there will those who will get the harvest. Oh, sure, it's glorious to have the harvest. It's glorious when people come to have a saving knowledge of who Jesus is, and they come to that conclusion. And it's glorious when you get to participate. There have been times when there would be, and I would have the opportunity to share the gospel, and a person responds. There's, there's no feeling like it. There, there's rejoicing. But I've also had the experience where, where I've witnessed and there's no results. And there may have never been any results. Or maybe somebody else, based on what I had said, didn't say other things and they water. And then maybe somebody else produces the harvest. Our obligation is to witness sow those seeds and if it's appropriate to water and if necessary then to be in the harvest but we should all be rejoicing no matter what the activity is Jesus is telling us we all are going to benefit in this and so when you sow you may not see an immediate return that doesn't mean that there aren't fruit of eternal life. 
you may water. And again, think, I don't see the plants growing up. I don't see what's happening. It's okay. It's kind of like the Sunday school teacher or even the regular school teacher who will teach Sunday after Sunday or day after day and not sure that they're getting through to their children. And then after the children grow up and become a little more mature, occasionally, not often, but occasionally the child will come back as an adult and say, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, you impacted my life. I remember when you taught this thing in, in Sunday school or in your class, and it had an impact on me, and it changed my life. Those are wonderful stories, and we don't hear them very often. But we need to be about the Father's business, regardless of whether we ever hear that story or not. Because we are to sow rejoicing, water rejoicing, and harvesting rejoicing, because we are doing the will of the Father. And we are accomplishing his work. That should sustain us. That should be our food. That should be what invigorates and energizes us. Not the accomplishments, not the successes, but the doing the will of the Father and accomplishing his purpose. I invite you to do that from this day forward. And all God's people said, Amen.